What's going on, guys? Zane here with Everything Vive. I want to welcome you back for another episode. In today's episode, we actually interview Justin Larrabee, one of the co-founders for the game Just In Time. And if you are listening to this on the day that it is released, which uh, is or should be July 27th, uh, the game is out now and today. So make sure you check it out. Uh, we chat with Justin about the inspiration behind the game, some of the levels that they didn't include, uh, the just hilariousness of how the game came about. Uh, it's a really great conversation, and Ronnie and I and Damon, who uh, joined us on the conversation as well, uh, we can't we can't say enough about the game. It's a lot of fun. It's unique, and um, for those who've been listening along, you know we don't throw that term around lightly. It's it's really refreshing to find a game that has some originality to it and takes a lot of what makes VR cool and combines it together and packages it, packages it as well as uh, the guys at Just In Time Incorporated did. So without further ado, just going to jump into the game. I will say make sure to check the, the show notes uh, because we're going to have links there obviously to the game on Steam, but also if you are listening to this uh, during the launch weekend, so like I said, July 27th through the end of the weekend, uh, there will be a link for the giveaway that they are doing, and I think that includes Steam gift cards, it includes uh, obviously copies of the game, and I believe the grand prize is the opportunity to have an, your own avatar or a character made after you in the game. So make sure you guys check that out, and uh, yeah, just enjoy the game. For now, uh, without further ado, we will jump right in. Justin, how's it going, man? It's going great. Hi, guys. Hey, what's going on? I'm. This is Zane. I'm here with Ronnie. Ronnie, how you doing? I'm doing great as always. And really, uh, we, really excited to to interview Justin. <laughs> we, we all are. And on the on the call with us as well is Damon. Damon, it's so excited. I'm so excited to have you on this call too, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. I think this is number three. This I is know. lucky number three. Well, hopefully there'll be many more, because um, you were the one that brought this game to us, and we are, Ronnie and I have been talking about it nonstop since uh, he got to my place prepping for the interview. Justin, I, I mean, I, I want to say, let's let's just start from the top. If you can tell us a little bit more about yourself, a little bit more about Second Win Interactive, uh, and maybe just like, the inspiration for the game, how it came about. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Ryan, Ryan Drag and I, we, we started Second Wind. I want to say back in September and before that we had worked at Backflip Studios here in Boulder um, for about close to eight years. So we had, we got, had quite the run because uh, when we started we were only six people and by the time him and I quit we were up to 150. So you can imagine it was oh, like wow. this just wildly different over time. Kind of kind of the motivation that happened over time was you know we really loved mobile for a while. Um, but then kind of it evolved towards the whole free to play thing. And it's just not like we're gamer gamers. So it really wasn't our bread and butter. So we, we kind of been hoping for a while to kind of strike out and, and do something really out there and not also have to kind of care about maybe being politically correct or whatever that may be. So we, yeah, we, we, we quit and then, you know, took, took a, a whopping three weeks off and jumped right in and started I, I knew it was going to be tough to come up with an idea because we we had started using the vibe when it came out and we had been going to the game developer conference for a while we had seen kind of all like the the, the vr headsets the oculus dk2 um and it was cool but the dk2 made me horrifically nauseous so i kind of wrote vr off 
and I hadn't had a chance to try the Crescent Bay prototype for mm-hmm. uh, Vive. Mm-hmm. So when, when we actually got the Vive, played it, I mean, it was mind-blowing. I was like, okay, VR is real. This is actually a thing. And I am wildly impressed, and I didn't get nauseous. This is great. So it kind of seemed like a no-brainer to hop in there because it was like, you know, it's new, it's fresh. There's not a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of room to explore. So fast forward, you know, five, six months when we actually sat down to start doing something. We had this kind of blank canvas and had this idea like, well, okay, how are we going to come up with a lot of good ideas? So we kind of challenged each other. We're like, each of us are going to come up with 50 ideas. And we've got two weeks and they have to be 50 real ideas, not just like variations on the same idea. So we'll meet again in two weeks. And the idea being that we picked the number so that it would sound painful. <laughs> like we wanted... 50 is a lot. <laughs> yeah, 50 is a lot. And it's kind of, uh, you know, John Cleese from Mount Monty Python? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's given some talks actually on creativity. And one of his points is, you know, if you want to try and find some, some really creative ideas, you need to get past kind of the obvious ones. Huh. So yeah. that reminds me, really yeah, yeah, that reminds me real quickly of uh, the what was it, the little thing with Steve Jobs where did he, didn't he ask everyone to come up with like ideas and then like at the first meeting he had everyone write those ideas on the board and then he's like, all right, throw these out. I don't want any of those. <laughs> now let's go back to it. Well, <laughs> yeah. What's funny is like like SNL, they'll do a hundred sketches a week yep. and they'll use six or seven and the rest go in the garbage. They don't reuse them. But yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, continue. Okay. So you had the fifty no, ideas. No, no. Yeah, so I mean, the idea being that, okay, it's going to be painful. And I'll be perfectly honest, like, uh, I don't consider myself a creative person. It, it is, like, brutal to sit down and come up with 50 ideas. Um, the first 15, no problem. And then after that, it was, okay, here's five, here's four, here's three, until it's, like, down to the wire, and you finally get that last one. So we met and went over all these 50 ideas. Long day. We're like, okay, we're going to go home. Every, like, we're each going to pick our top 20. So we go home, we do that, we meet again, kind of, you know, a few days later, start discussing that. Then we're like, okay, let's narrow this down to 10. And then it was seven. And then it was five. And then we're like, okay, five of those 100 ideas, A, were actually a game. Um, What we found is when you're creating a lot of ideas, usually you have an idea for a mechanic, but not Mm -hmm. a game. Mm -hmm. So we we immediately had, we ended up discarding like probably 60% of the ideas just because that was the kind of the criteria we ran into. Um, but really what we found was that five ideas out of that hundred really had like a kind of a soul to them. And so we went and spent two weeks and prototyped all five of those games. Um, and then we met and pretty much decided of those five, we actually prototyped a bunch of them were fun. Uh, there was just, uh, this one in particular that eventually became just in time incorporated. That was the one. It felt like it had the most promise and, <laughs> Actually, what it, what inspired it, and it's uh, the source code repository is still called Quicksilver because it's the scene from X Men: Days of Future Past in the kitchen. Mm. Quicksilver, yeah, oh, it was amazing. Okay. Yep. So cool. That was the original. That was the original inspiration. And I, and, I and just to know. just to put oh, put this in, put what you're saying into context, like around that time when you were doing these prototypes, like when you were coming up with the ideas and then prototyping the five that you that you guys chose. I mean, what was the state of, of consumer level VR at that time? Like, were, was there a lot out? Were you, had you played a lot of VR or were you guys just kind of coming up with a lot of these ideas based on, you know, a few demos that you had gotten a chance to play? 
I'd say, I mean, I guess it was August and we had gotten our vibes back and I believe it was March. Okay. Um, so we had we played a lot of the content that was out there. I mean, Space Pirate Trainer was, I mean, was mind blowing. Just awesome. Um, yeah. Kind of, it's been a blur now as to what came out when, but I think we identified early on, you know, a couple of genres that were like, Hey, these are, these are pretty cool. The caveat being there's probably gonna be a lot of them. And so yeah. I kind of lumped like the wave shooters under that, especially like mm-hmm. I, I, I do like wave shooters a lot, but you know, almost a year ago, we're like, if we fast forward a year, there's probably going to be a lot more of them and it will be harder to compete. Yeah. So those, those that whole genre is basically just off the table, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which added some additional challenge to the idea generation because it was kind of a good go-to. We had a lot of themes, a lot of other ideas, some of which I can't even remember now. Um, <laughs> but I think more what we wanted to do, and it makes me happy every time I hear somebody say it because it's just been... You know, the, the anxiety as you build up towards release kind of starts to creep in. And it's, you know, one, uh, did you, com- have we communicated, eh, sorry, have we communicated our concept? And do people think it's like, you know, a unique experience? We wanted to just make sure that we're, we're adding something to the VR market that mm. kind of elevates it. And I don't mean that in a pretentious way. That sounded pretty pretentious. Um, I just mean like, if we can explore a new genre, awesome. You know, if we can kind of mix, mix and mash something up and people really enjoy it, like, to me, that's a jo- like job well done. Um, yeah, but if well, hear people actually I, enjoy it, it's just to quickly cut in. I mean, I, that's actually the one thing that I kept saying to Ronnie. Uh, you know, uh, during our game talk and, and during this, uh, during the before we jumped on the call, is that you, we we play a lot of games. You know, just and I'm maybe maybe just compared to the regular Vive user out there, but just just in terms of like reviewing the games and getting through all the stuff, we play a lot of games. And th- the one thing that sticks out to me. Um, is especially like whenever a game catches my attention because it's so creative and unique. Um, so just, I mean, the 50 ideas or 100 ideas that you guys had, I mean, I think that definitely bore some fruit for you guys because both Ronnie and I were actually just, we can't stop talking about how unique the game is, how like nobody's really messed with this concept before. We've messed, you know, there've been other games out there that have like dealt with time travel or going back and forth or, you know, things in, in bullet time. Yeah. But um and the execution, I think. Yeah, like yeah, it, that too. Just to, just to, I mean, put, give my input just a bit. I mean, as far as, you know, we've seen some of these ideas in other games before, but the way that they're meshed into your game in a very unique and compelling way, and you can tell a lot of th- time and effort was thought into, you know, or put into, you know, how how you would craft the story with the mechanics, with, like, it, like it's very well packaged, and I haven't seen, I mean, for all the games, I, I, you know, there have been games recently with some mechanics that are, that, that remind me of, of, of just in time. There have been some games that have, you know, good aesthetics or good graphics or, you know, they're fun, they're easy to get into. But I haven't seen any games, honestly, in months, probably not since really the Vive launched, that uh, put everything together in such a cohesive package the way your game does to where, like, I, stepping away from the game like a lot of times we're reviewing games to you know get through it to get our take and then you know be able to 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 give some opinions and then and then move on your game is one where i did not want to stop i had to stop because you know i had to leave to to come over here and 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 do this interview and the other thing is that i knew instantly like out of the hundreds of games that i've played that this is one that's jumped to you know the top five top top you know just 
handful of games that I feel comfortable enough to where everyone that's going to get into the game is going to have such a good experience that this is something I want to demo for people when, when they're trying the Vive for the first time or second time or, you know, there's a lot of stuff that out there that's kind of half-baked and Just-In-Time is, is not a game like that. I, I mean, I, that was a constraint we set upon ourselves kind of early is that, um, you know, I we wanted to ship a game that we felt like had kind of had a, like you said, kind of a cohesive package. I wanted to feel like when you've completed the game that you actually completed a full game mm-hmm. um, and feel like you're part of this world. Now, I mean, we're not remotely heavy at all with the story, obviously, but I, I feel like that theme kind of opened yeah, the game up. More, more theme than story, I should say. But, but like, I yeah. mean, sometimes story is more, you know, a, a mixture of like brand, like the just in time kind of, you know, just in time incorporated or whatever it is that you call it. like the, yeah, the theme and the branding that you guys put around every aspect it it makes it feel like what you're doing has purpose and you kind of add your own stories to it as you're going from mission to mission if that if that makes sense i i know a lot of people talk about that oh you're creating your own story when you're playing the game and but but like the simple things that 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 you guys did so well in this i think i think i think makes that you know, evident to anyone playing, like from the beginning to the end, like I was never confused on what was going on, and I had a smile on my face the whole time I was playing. And like I said, I didn't want to. I didn't want to stop. You wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't believe how long it took to get the initial, you know, sequence and kind of introduced in the world. It took so long, like just the initial tutorial. I mean, if there's one thing that that we definitely did right over the course of development, it was we had play, people play testing it constantly. And what we also made sure to do was uh, when we would have people play test, we actually had friends that were like, hey, I really want to play your game. And we'd tell them, sorry, we need you to wait two months because we want a fresh opinion. Like once you've had mm. a person play it once, mm. essentially they're, you can't get their first impression back. No matter what you do to the game, almost like you've kind of spoiled it, which is great, especially if they've had fun. But as you go down, you know, you need to see what's the new player's experience. Huh. Um, to, get, to give an, a perfect example... Uh, you know the 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 second kind of tutorial experience where you learn how to grab a bullet and yeah. aim it. Yeah, that did that didn't go in until the end of May. Like huh. we had everything else kind of locked down, feeling great, the initial tutorial, all that. And we what we kept running into is people would be dropped into uh, that level that's totally not Trump. Um, they get dropped <laughs> into that. They get dropped into that level, and uh, something you know. 80% of people, no problem. They grab the bullet, they aim it, they see the laser sight, and we you know, we try and put as much context around that action as possible. And that other you know, 20%, they, uh, they, they grab the bullet and immediately throw it. And they were just yeah. you know, missing that concept. And you know, it was frustrating in some sense, but not in like the, oh man, why are they so bad? It was more like we failed. Um, hmm. We failed at communicating what you're supposed to do. And so at no point... We kind of just had to decide at the last minute there, r- relatively speaking, where the project was to like, okay, we need to tutorialize this. And the concern being that you're adding this whole, and this was one of Ryan's concerns is, you know, you're kind of interrupting the flow a little bit mm-hmm. with the initial experience. We want to get you into that headquarters area as fast as possible. So it kind of, the world kind of opens up for you. Mm-hmm. Um that's, that's ironic and, you say that, though, because one of the things when I was playing it for the first time, and again, this is somebody that, you know plays a lot of Vive games on a regular basis. And um, 
I I thought it was actually awesome that that the tutorial was so short, <laughs> like compared to yeah. like it like I I know from your from your perspective you probably made it twice as long by adding you know the bullet mechanic portion there, but compared to a lot of other games out there on Steam right now, it's very streamlined and quick. And now thinking about it, I, I think it was the right like a lot of the stuff that. Uh, that isn't in the tutorial, I think, are kind of obvious. And the ones that I probably would have been one of those people that would have wanted to throw the bullet because I've played some other games that have mechanics yeah. where, where you throw a bullet. So, but I, I never did that once in the game because the way you guys put it, put it in there, like whatever you did, I don't know. I don't know exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how you, uh, how you put it in the, in the tutorial to where it told, it taught me that I didn't need to throw it, that I could just let go. I, but I... The very, I, yeah. The, the trackers, the, like the little tracker lines that come out, you're just like, oh, okay, I get it. It, it was the, very it, quick. The, the big thing, actually, from watching some people, too, it's, uh, and when we were working on it, it's very specific that a target comes out. It slides in, and then the bullet itself, when you grab it, is yeah. already oriented towards the target. And so what we're hoping, what we hoped, and I think it was successful, was your brain goes, oh, I shoot it like a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. if, you, if you fail enough times, that TV guy will, will keep reiterating exactly what you're supposed to do over, over, and over until it sinks in. And most people don't even get him to talk on and on that far. But yeah, I had, no. I watched that, the people. Yeah, um, it, it and didn't have, it. yeah. No, it's interesting, though, because like you said, like it, that didn't happen to me. I, I got it. But... Going into the game and knowing that there was like going to be a, a bullet throwing mechanic, I remember thinking when I first reached for the bullet I, that I was going to throw it back, and then I didn't do can that. You imagine, and can you imagine how annoyed you would be with the game if it didn't function the way you thought it should? Yeah, like it, it would it would tarnish your initial impressions. I mean, I think what. If, if we learned one thing from mobile, especially, it was that, and this is pretty true on mobile, um, you have about 30 seconds to, to capture somebody's interest. Um, huh. after, after 30 seconds, they're, they're going to move on to the next thing because there's just so much content on mobile, and most of it's free. So we, we looked at this, uh, okay, you know, it's, it's PC, so people have a little more tolerance. They're, paying, they're actually paying money for it, which is great. Um, and... So they're a little more invested when they get it. But if they play it, and let's say they get to the point where they're, they're trying to grab this, uh, throw this bullet in that uh, clump level. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're trying to throw this bullet, and I've watched people do this. They throw it. They throw it. They throw it. And I see them getting upset. Hmm. And it's funny because, you know, some of these people would be friends that, ha- that happened to this. And, you know, you can see them, like, after you told them, and we would tell them how to do it after that, that they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, you hear that, and you're like, okay, yeah. They were annoyed. <laughs> mm. Like, they, they think it sucks, basically. Yeah, And yeah. so that, it really was a last-minute decision to, to add that, because we were, we can't, I mean, we're, we're two guys making this game, and, you know, we don't have a marketing team or anything like that, so the, the, the more people that we can get off the this game sucks wagon, the, the better off we'll be, and we want people to, to have kind of the experience that we want, because once they get that, then that's basically all the mechanics you need to know about to play the game. Yeah, everything else. Huge, I, huge I feel I, it, going going on along the same. So you're talking about that the concept of of kind of hooking people at the beginning and you know trying to streamline the the tutorials. How do you go about? Because and I haven't played through the whole game yet or anything like that, but I, I do know that you unlock 
you know, stages as you progress. How, how did you guys decide um, which, which ideas came first in the game, which ones came last and kind of how did, how do you go about figuring out, um, you know, how to, how to progress the difficulty through the stages? Um, I guess uh, it was hard for us a little bit to, so we, we did initially take the pass of, okay, let's try and rank these by rough relative difficulty. And we kind of found that it was tough because there were uh, almost a few different categories of mission where like this one's more combat focused and this one's got a kind of a tricky puzzle and they don't really like, depending on the player, one's going to be hard or one's going to be easy. So mm. we, we kind of within those separate categories, put them ranked and then, told her, like, looked at the progression rooms, the little side of each room, and said, okay, we need a, a good selection of those different mission types. And more than that, some people have t- commented on how quickly you kind of get promoted out of the first room. Mm-hmm. The, the guiding, kind of the other guiding principle we, we looked at was, uh, you know, pe- we don't want to hide some of our awesome content behind, you know, some intro levels. We want to get people in- to have as much choice as possible. Um, Maybe that means that some people just kind of don't bother completing a few missions because it's not their kind of thing. Regardless, I mean, I think people, we want them to just have the choice, basically. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure that the first three kind of levels in that room kind of represented different awesome. At least, you know, we hoped it would be seen as awesome. And that's why, you know, the, the bridge escort mission is pretty wildly different than the <laughs> fire jumper mission um, and the rat, out, like the rat outbreak level. Um, you mentioned uh, the the progression rooms and kind of how you get that that first uh, you know you get your first access to the to or yeah what well, you you get promoted I guess uh, pretty early on in that first stage. I remember thinking as soon as I and again coming from someone that's played a lot of these games, how clever it was that you guys put a code on the outside of the door so that you get that tactile feel of pressing the code in to unlock it and moving on to the, like how many, how many, uh, or how much thought I guess went, goes into making the game feel tactile given that it's a VR game and, and how much, cause, cause that is something that I think makes just in time stand out from a lot of the average titles that I've played on the Vive, um, in terms of whether it be like the clipboard, um, and being able to, you know, push the button and have to physically hit the trigger or I just noticed that there's a lot of things that you guys do really well in the game where you get that satisfaction that you're interacting with something. Yeah. I mean, I think early, early on, and I guess it probably was closer to maybe beginning of December. I think Um, we, we kind of made the decision because before that with the prototype, we kind of had this, you know, magic wand style, the standard UI interface, like you, if you go into the dashboard in steam, um, you got a little laser pointer and it's regular UI like that. And once we kind of nailed down the theme, it seemed to betray both the theme and kind of what we wanted to go for to be in this world, to have any kind of UI that involved a laser pointer. And so the clipboard was kind of the ultimate uh, culmination of that decision where it was like, okay, we need a UI for the game. How, how on earth are we going to do that? Because we have a lot, we have a lot of information to kind of do uh, to communicate. And uh, you know, we're going to have, quite a bit of these things floating mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, well, okay, I mean, you're an insurance agent. You're going to have a clipboard probably, <laughs> but this is a, this is a, this company is a weird combination of old and new. So I guess it's going to be a robo clipboard uh, <laughs> and have kind of just junk moving around on it and sliding in and out. Um, and that ended up being, I think if we hadn't done 
that particular idea for that UI, I don't think it would have felt as cohesive in the world. Because um, like, like you said, we had to look at each level. And what we actually ran into kind of over the course of playtesting earlier in the year was that there were, some, there were some objects in some of these levels that you couldn't interact with. Or you expected a certain interaction when you used them or uh, interacted with them, and it didn't happen. And people kind of, they felt cheat, uh, cheated a little bit. And so mm. we actually removed some stuff from some levels that you could have interacted with because it, it kind of just took away from the level, basically. Mm. Um, and that, I, just to point out, that's actually something that Ronnie and I comment on a lot in, in a lot of these games because the moment the moment you try interacting with something and it doesn't it either do, you can't interact with it or you can't um, you know it doesn't interact the way that you want it to I feel like that's immediately immersion breaking because all of a sudden it's just like yeah you can't you can't do what you were hoping to do and it just kind of reminds you that you're in VR and not you know yeah. so um, so I, I mean kudos on that because I think a lot of times it gets it gets super easy to just keep adding stuff in it's hard to, to subtract but i think there's a lot of addition by subtraction if that makes sense by removing those yeah, things you're absolutely. actually greatly enhancing the experience so that, that, that was a great move because before we even got onto this topic one of my compliments and i think one of the things that i even said to ronnie during our, our review of the game was that you could interact with with pretty much everything and it you know it, it that's always a nice feel because it's something you don't necessarily think about um, but as soon as, you know, we're done playing the game and I was like, oh, okay, that had such a nice feel to it in the sense that, um, you know, everything, it was just so fluid, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I, I think, and to kind of piggyback on the same topic, uh, there are actually two other events during development that kind of fell under the category of they need to be consistent or they should be interactable. Um, the, the first was actually, have you guys played the, the bomb defusal level where you need to strip guys? No, I haven't, but I've, I've okay. stripped yeah. a lot of guys by mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, no, the name I, of that I, level I, is I called... I played it, uh, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the, the, name of the, the actual name of the scene inside the game is uh, Naked Time, because that's what the prototype of that level was called. Uh, okay. And started playing that, and the moment I played it, I was like, yeah, uh, this needs to be everywhere in the game. And the business <laughs> but it actually ended up serving a purpose because, you know, we've, we've watched, you know, we watched people play for so long. One of the first things a lot of people do is they reach out and they want to touch the, the yep. person. Yep. And we decided early on that it would make our lives a giant nightmare to design puzzles. If you could just walk up to anybody and just knock them around. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, if you, if you want, you can kind of do that with a lot of objects in the world, but we just, we wanted to make you focus on interaction rather than just, you know, manipulating a person constantly. Mm -hmm. um, so we went and added this naked time technology, is what we called it. <laughs> uh, not creepy at all. We did draw a line, obviously. Uh, and it, it did end up... For, for everyone listening, this is still a family-friendly game. Kind well, of. It is. <laughs> well, for everyone listening that doesn't, isn't familiar with the game, Just In Time Incorporated, um, Justin, it... it it's it's such a cool concept, but could you just lay it out for people that really don't know what it is and don't yeah. know what the game's about? Oh, actually, yeah, we probably should have started with that, but go ahead, yeah, Justin. Yeah, circle back. <laughs> okay, yeah, so in Just In Time Incorporated, you are a death prevention insurance agent. And the advantage that you have, and so if people take out policies with this company uh, to protect themselves in the event that they're going to meet their awful, horrible death. Um, which is pretty much the scenario in every level. Um, uh, 
this would be hard to kind of prevent their death if you didn't have the ability to run at about 10 times the speed of everything else going on. So you can teleport around, you know, grab bullets out of the air, um, take people's clothes off, um, <laughs> and all sorts of other stuff, and basically try and prevent the disaster from happening. And that can be anything from, uh, you know, three Marines going to be shot by a helicopter or, you know, somebody is hiding a bomb or even there's a bunch of murderous rats running around. Um, <laughs> Really, there's no limit to what this company is willing to take on for a client. <laughs> Very nice and it's pitch. Both, <laughs> and it's both room scale that you can walk around and because you can, so you can move faster than everyone else, it has teleportation to do, you know, to get to the levels. So it's kind of a great blend of both. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I found. And my biggest thing when I played the game that just blew me away is we play a lot like, 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 uh, Ronnie and Zane said we play a lot of VR games, but I mean, there's not really a catchphrase for it yet. But well-oiled polish is the best way I can describe it. Like everything works, everything has a level of polish that you would associate with, you know, a game that you're like. There's been a lot of thought put into this, and and the and everything kind of goes together. The aesthetic, the design, it's fun. It I know what to do. Everything kind of acts as I want, and, and that was the big thing that stuck out. And that was just what made it so impressive and just so cool. And just like, I want to keep playing. I want to try it out. Yeah. Thanks. That's awesome. Um, it was actually fun. So when we did demo the game at uh, comic con in Denver, um, we knew that the majority of people wouldn't have had VR experience, hmm. let alone vibe experience. And hmm. so we were a little hesitant to see, you know, how that's going to work out. And it was surprising. We would almost just basically put the headset on, tell them, please don't run through this wall in this booth, which mm -hmm. happened. Um, <laughs> it was happening in my uh, apartment when I was, and I yeah, <laughs> because you're so no, excited. My controllers have drywall on them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think but it's that. the I think it's the telltale sign of a, of a well designed VR game is that you don't you know you, you really don't have to explain a whole lot. There's some yeah. games where it seems like you have to be like, whoa, wait, wait, you're gonna have to push this button and do this, and then no way back up, and then there's just these few gyms where it's just like, no, have fun. Yeah, yeah, we would we would just run people through the tutorial and give them a choice, kind of of one of the the earlier levels, and got you know people with no experience, they just for the ninety five percent of the time they just get in, play, have a great time. And the other surprising thing was that, uh, with it, we had you know they'd have friends with them watching, and I thought, oh geez, you know they've seen this level that this guy's playing because they've been waiting a while here, probably you know five times. And yeah. I was like, they're probably going to want to try something else. And nope, as soon as they put the headset on, they're like, I want to play that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. No, so like I said, it, so, yeah, yeah. no exaggeration. I this you're just in time catapulted to the top of my list in terms of games that I'm going to show people when when either introducing them to the to the Vive for the first time, or even people that have played the Vive, you know, quite a bit. When they come over, I'm gonna I'm gonna launch just in time because I think it's it's that good. I I really do think, and and I don't know what. What price point are you releasing the game at in Steam? It's going to be nineteen ninety nine base, okay. and then we'll have a ten percent launch discount. Okay, perfect. I I just can't recommend the game enough for people out there. And we're not done with the interview yet, but I mean, it it really is a game. I think that every Vive owner should have in their catalog, just because, like Damon was saying, how cohesive everything is, how fun everything is, how well thought out, how clever, just everything that we've been we've been you know, talking about. And, and I yeah. guess just to, just to go back to, to the theme bit a little bit, cause you had, you had mentioned briefly that, um, you know, you had, you had picked the idea, you had 
started working on it and you're kind of, you know, crafting everything, like all of the, you, you talked about um, the UI and how it progressed over the time period that you were in development. Um, and then you said as the theme started coalescing, that was one of the things that kind of helped you uh, to, to kind of, you know, finish off that UI. Um, in regards to the theme, I mean, could you explain a little bit about how you eventually landed on 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 this idea of 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 just in time incorporated and and kind of a lot of the the ideas the fun like parodies that you do from level to level and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm, it's going to stretch my memory a bit to remember exactly how it <laughs> happened because it, it really it ended up being so organic. I mean, I think initially. I, I mean, we're both huge portal fans. Um, mm. and I think like there's that, that kind of dry humor in that. And person like we had to steer far away from trying to basically copy GLaDOS because that requires like some seriously good writing chops to not mm-hmm. get annoying mm-hmm. and they nailed it. Mm-hmm. So any experience, I did some initial experiments with the writing more like that. And I was like, Nope, Nope, this is awful. I'm not <laughs> a, uh, I'm not a screenwriter. I don't want to be, I actually went the total opposite <laughs> direction, which was, I just wanted to lavish praise on you for doing simple things sometimes. Um, <laughs> but it, I think we, what came to mind for me early on, I think was, I don't know if you guys have seen that. I think it's an all state commercial where this guy, he's always, you know, falling and causing the accidents. He kind of represents the disaster. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 There you yeah. go. So I kind of, I kind of like that combined with this whole Quicksilver concept, it, those kind of merged a little bit. And then we, we talked about it more and more and it seemed like, well, okay, you know, you you are in these situations trying to perfect, save people, basically. So I guess maybe you work for the military or the police. Uh, I don't know. And then somehow the just the, the insurance concept, I think we brought it up just randomly in some meeting hmm. and just thought it was hilarious. Um, hmm. It also had the practical effect of letting us kind of have really wildly different levels and not have to really make like this explanation as to why you are doing all this random stuff because we didn't we really didn't want to be trapped down the corridor of okay we're just a combat game you mm-hmm. know it's just going to be catching bullets the whole time mm-hmm. um, you're like some secret agent or something like that it, it really just evolved out of a series of like just hey i think this is funny and a lot of what would happen is you know in some of these meetings you you talk you have this great idea you think it's hilarious you go home, you sleep on it. The next time you meet, you're like, yeah, that's not that funny. <laughs> and so the, the, proof, <laughs> the proof with this one was it actually, it was funny each time. It has I to be two mediums funny. Yep. It has to be. Yeah. If you have to, minimum. If minimum. And still find it funny, then it, it, you got a good chance. Good chance it's funny. Um, and I think well, both, both of us also, you know, we, I, I personally don't take like to take myself too seriously. I think I'd have a hard time writing a serious game. So that kind of put me under some limitations from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was really grateful we actually stumbled on this because it just it that theme did really just make everything click in the end. Um, and we were lucky in that we found it pretty early on, uh, mm-hmm. probably yeah maybe mid November we had started talking about it. Um, okay. Maybe even earlier. I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 You're talking about inspirations. Oh, sorry, Zane. Oh no, I mean I was just gonna say quickly comment and say like aside from you know the mechanics polish everything else that we've been talking about that theme it I feel like it might be the the secret sauce of what of what you guys have because because the thing is like insurance agency well first off let's go back to the whole like uniqueness and originality of of the concept that you guys created I mean 
there's so many different titles in VR games, but I don't think any. There's no other title where you can play as an insurance agent, and I, like <laughs> you know, there's there's probably very few games out there that you can play as an insurance agent. It just it doesn't sound sexy, but uh, you know, as soon as you throw it with uh, throw it into the mix here, it opens up so many different wild scenarios. And and uh, what you're saying before is just like every scenario can be made in such a hilarious way because of what this main theme represents now and how broad and general that it can it can get. So. I just want to quickly comment and say that that that's probably a big part of it because I found myself, um, you know, you, you'd go into a level and it would tell you what like your mission is supposed to be, and I, I would just like giggle to myself because you're thinking about like the you're thinking about what what you're actually doing in terms of like the storyline, you know, quote unquote storyline of the game, and you know yeah. the ridiculousness of it sometimes just it, it has such a pleasant like it just leaves such a, like a pleasant subliminal like uh, I, I don't I don't know how else to describe it but like. It, even just like the little giggles like it was just like oh man this is this is such a cool game like i i found myself saying that to myself um every, every single time i'd come across like the most ridiculous uh concepts and scenarios that you guys put out there <laughs> thanks i mean yeah it's i i kind of was happy when it all came together just i, I really like that feeling of you know like what the f is going on like what is <laughs> happening right now why is like i was i was fighting rats a second ago and now I am chopping someone's head off uh, yeah. in a fa- uh, in a, a family friendly way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, you were talking about inspiration, and I wanted to just talk with you shortly about your inspiration uh, visually and aesthetically for the game. Yeah. What your inspirations were for it? Why you guys? Because you'd meant uh, Ryan had actually mentioned in an email that the visual aesthetic actually helped with the development, and and, and how you guys came about that. It's it's exceedingly pragmatic. Um, mm-hmm. It came down to basically there's there's two of us, and I'm I'm predominantly a programmer, um, so I can actually make art for this style, and um, it doesn't it fits in with the rest of the game. So Ryan's an artist, but then the problem is that the the biggest challenge in making the game is actually making the fun game, which means you know level design, uh, feel. And it, it kind of leaves the visual style off to the side a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And that we, we've been to plenty of talks at the Game Developer Conference, and one of the recommendations is always, you know, if you're prototyping a game, make it as ugly at, and, and spartan as possible because you'll fall in love with the art mm-hmm. and not the gameplay. Hmm. And we've had that happen in the past in, in uh, previous games we worked on uh, in the prototype phase, and we were like, okay, we can't do that. Uh, so it also kind of fell into place that, you know, we, we could find some third-party assets that we were able to purchase um, mm-hmm. and kind of work that into our theme of, like or style by the end. So, I mean, we really, we want, we took kind of that style and then evolved it over the course of the project. And that's why, for one, one example, you know, we try to put a lot of attachments on all the characters because we want them to feel more, uh, not just like this Minecrafty looking guy, but actually mm-hmm. feel a little more uh, uh, 3D, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, really, I think a lot of the art style came down to just pure pragmatism. Um, well, and it, it, that, that said, yeah, it I mean, serves I the game really well because it, it works. It works. It, like you were yeah. saying before, I mean, along with the theme allowing you to, to jump from location to location and, and do all sorts of different types of environments, your the art, the, the you know, the, the art that you style that you ended up going with, I think really allows you to, to do that as well. I mean, it, I, I, yeah, whether you're in a jungle or an office space or like everything 
nothing nothing throws you out of the the situation you never think oh this doesn't look you know that looked like a normal office but this now looks like an unrealistic jungle or vice versa like everything yeah. just kind of works in your brain and, and that's where i have to give immense credit to to ryan because i mean he would usually like my prototype levels uh, would you know be functional and uh, i could make some of them look good but then I'd, I'd be like, okay, Ryan is the the final decider on, you know, make make it pretty, basically. And so I would hand this level off to him. And by the time I saw it next, I'd be like, holy crap, that looks <laughs> awesome. Like he he did so much with what we had to deal to work with um, that it, it it always impressed me because you know it also speaking practically, two two other things kind of come to mind. One is you know we're even though these head, these VR headsets, the current generation is pretty awesome. I mean, I don't think anyone would argue that the screen density is where it needs to be in the long run. So that simple art style kind of, in my opinion, lends itself to being able to see and understand the world better because, you know, there's the, the cost of some aliasing here and there is small compared to a really high fidelity game. Um, and on top of that, you know, we kind of, kept an eye on performance for the game over development because I didn't really want any horrific surprises by the end, but I, I kind of was dreading coming into April where I knew I was going to have to sit down and do a real performance test on kind of the, the, the quote-unquote low-end hardware. Mm-hmm. So I built this Frank Frankenstein box off eBay, half used parts, half new, <laughs> managed to track down uh, you know the, the, the low-end CPU, booted the game up, and it just worked. And it was like the frame rate was fine. I was like, huh, I didn't expect that. And because, you know, we don't spend nearly as much time rendering as a higher fidelity game does, which left room for the really intense physics because the, the physics take the majority of the CPU time for a yeah. frame. And, uh, well, if, well, which would which lead to think that pretty much the, 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 the amount of people that can play it and play it well is probably just about everybody that has VR. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, we tested, I tested against the, it's an i5-4590 and a GTX 970, and it, it runs like, pfft, no problem. So nice. even if you're a bit below the, the Vive min spec, um, I think it'll still run pretty well. Very, very cool. I, I have a quick quick question real quick for Justin. So you had your list of 50 games that Ryan came up with and 50 games, ideas, concepts that you came up with. Could you tell us, some of the absolute bottom of the barrel <laughs> the worst uh, of the worst the ones that you're like this well this is is just not gonna work well i'm going to let me pull up file explorer right now <laughs> <laughs> and then while you're looking I'll, I'll while you're looking stuff. what you some of your non-vr games that you've got ex- gotten influence from over the years and what you know that you have played before that i don't they don't necessarily have to be a core mechanic in this game but just what's where have you gotten your inspiration and your love of games from what anything um, in particular well I, very early on i for some reason i when i said it was i it all started at age seven it just made me think of a story uh back back in the 90s i i was really hooked on ultima underworld um mm. and my parent i was playing way too much so my parents they would they moved the computer to their bedroom because they thought okay now he can't stay up late playing <laughs> so sat- Saturday rolls around. They wake up, and me and the neighbor kid are at the edge of their bed playing Ultima <laughs> <laughs> So if, if they didn't know I had a problem from then, uh, they didn't. They weren't paying attention. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, 
I played so many games so many times. Uh, I mean, I even dropped out of school at one point because I was playing too many games. Um, <laughs> they thankfully got over that enough to come back and recognize that I should never play a massively multiplayer game again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I had I had a a year or two of a WoW stint that kind of that was that was a little bit intense, but. Yep, it's fun. <laughs> but, oh man, everything else kind of falls off on the side. Hey, I mean, when you favorite, when yeah. you think back to it, there were some moments there where you weren't in a game. Like that was oh, absolutely. That was reality. That like you, you were with the crew, you were doing your thing. Like it's it's kind of it's it's amazing actually. Can you just imagine Ashland's what Call was my my big one, um, and I have genuine memories from that that like rank up there with real life events that happened that were like you know, amazing or something like that. Yeah, I agree. It was a real experience with friends and people, and it was incredible. No, and thinking about how that could or will hopefully translate into VR, I think is kind of what everybody's looking forward to, because sooner or later, there's going to be a title like that, I think, that just pulls people in in such such an intense way. Yeah, I was just saying, what what happens when VR reaches that level, right? Our game, I can, can. I think some it. of it already kind of has. I, I still yeah. have great memories. Rec Room and Rise of the Jumbotron. That was an hour of my life just battling out with with three other people, and it, I still think about it. It was great. <laughs> so it, it yeah. totally is capable of doing it. But yeah, I guess. Uh, to, and uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew. I had just oh. an amazing experience with a friend with that. I mean, I had nerd chills. As I'm sitting there, he let me be. He let me be the captain, and as soon as I figured out how to also tell the computer commands with voice, um, I legitimately felt like I was a Starfleet captain. Um, <laughs> so cool, and that just wouldn't happen outside of VR. Yeah, just wouldn't, you know. Yeah, doesn't. So what? So yeah, what are some of the things that 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 you look forward to the most as a as a virtual reality developer? I guess we'll call you now. I mean. Uh, I guess just as the worlds get more and more immersive, like I, I mean, I, I think, and this was kind of our hope also from the beginning with our game is we wanted, even if we weren't able to communicate a very detailed story, we wanted to make sure that story, like you guys have been saying, is kind of implied and you can kind of create and fill in the gaps where necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we had tons of other ideas and stuff we would have loved to do. We imagined competing agencies that, you know, you warp into a mission and you see this, this other guy who's like you warping around, like, <laughs> One level idea was uh, like ambulance chasing. You're basically trying to go get somebody else to sign a policy, um, <laughs> and, and you're racing another other companies to get to that guy first. And we imagine awesome. these yeah. different companies messing with each other. Um, <laughs> and so you know that that didn't make it into the game, but it kind of sits in the back of your head, and I think it helps you hopefully craft a, a, a bigger al- world. And it almost reminds wanted, me of like a hey, Shadow Mario from uh, from Mario Sunshine. Yeah. I don't know why. Hey, th- three letters, guys. DLC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God. There's so much stuff I would have loved. I mean, I, I could hold off on this game for another two years and just like keep adding stuff to it. But uh, yeah. So, so along along those lines, then I guess what what kind of what led you guys to feel like you know you were ready for for releasing? Is it is it going? I I can't remember if it's going to be an early access title or if you guys do have DLC, uh, you know, in the works. Like, what's kind of the story behind that? Or the um, update roadmap? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd say, uh, so we, we looked at it early on and we're like, okay, 
given kind of the goals with how we want the game to feel, we didn't want to go early access. We wanted, when we yeah. decided that we were going to ship the game, we wanted it to feel like a complete experience mm -hmm. because we feel like, you know, a lot of people might see early access and just skip it. Mm -hmm. Or I, in my personal experience, I've, I've just held off on some early access games. I'm like, I don't want to have like ruin my first experience. Mm -hmm. And it might be years like Slime Rancher. I, I waited a long time before playing that and it was mm -hmm. worth it. Like mm -hmm. great game. Um, mm -hmm. So we kind of made that decision, and I think where we, we cut it off, some of it was pragmatic. We were like, okay, you know, we've invested close to a year of our life into this, and more than that, you know, we, we both have families, so, uh, you know, our, our monthly expenses aren't insignificant. Um, and we wanted, seeing seeing people having a ton of fun with it and feeling like, you know, for the for the kind of the average VR gamer, there's a, a, a satisfying amount of content there. Mm -hmm. um, we were like, okay, let's do it. and. Fully aware that you know we wanted to continue to support the game. So I mean, there, uh, I've been working on a kind of a, uh, it, I, we're calling it like advanced challenge train, like advanced agent training, and it's going to be more of a. It will actually have a leaderboard, and it's, uh, you know, these different really compact scenarios mm. to supposedly test your skills as an agent. <laughs> um, kind of a nod almost to, to wave shooters, but not not a shooter basically. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, we want to be we want to add some more levels to the game. Some of it's also you know you don't know necessarily what your users as a whole want, and so maybe they have a strong maybe everybody has a strong opinion of what they want to see. Mm -hmm. I, I'd hate to to go down the route that that we think is the best versus what everyone else is kind of like. Hey, we w would love more of this, and so I think that was a, a deciding point for us too. Hmm. Very interesting. I mean, I can say that everything I've played so far, I really liked. And especially I thought just like, just the, yeah, the cleverness behind a lot of the scenarios that I played so far is probably the thing that left the last, the most lasting impression. Like the mechanics themselves are fun and I have a really good time, but it's like the crazy, you know, scenarios that you put us in and, and the, the kind of the, the fun parodies, like, you know, a lot of these experiences you don't really necessarily you've never had the opportunity to <laughs> to be to be in in the jungle trying to get someone to the chopper or uh <laughs> like it just yeah just I, a a lot of the riffs on 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 pop culture stuff i thought was really clever and i'd love to see more and more of that so yeah we we definitely i had a friend suggest a level that i thought was pretty hilarious it's uh uh, kind of a, a riff on the Matrix. It's actually like this guy dressed up in cosplay who thinks he's actually Neo and he's being <laughs> shot by like. <laughs> <laughs> You're just you know, gonna like, get just annihilated, and you have to be the one that goes yeah. in there. That's awesome. That's a really you know, funny he, idea. He'd, he'd have to have a, a shirt that has Keanu Reeves's face and says "Number One Fan." Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's really. Don't get but, me wrong. I I love me some Keanu. But, ever. Yeah, yeah, but oh, that's yeah. but that's so fun because in addition to it being, I mean, you see parodies in in other games, and you've seen you know you see movie movie parodies and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like you don't see that that much in VR and being able to actually be in some of those environments and some of those situations yourself and kind of playing around with the mechanics. I think is is a whole new thing for a lot of people. So it's yeah, cool. it's it's a cool thing that you're doing. I'd, I'd love to be able to do an aliens level somehow too. You know, face huggers <laughs> flying through the air. Um, oh man, that uh, would be cool. <laughs> that is just so many of all time. So I would, that would be awesome. Um, 
Well, I just, see, I just <laughs> actually, to, to answer your question a second ago about what levels basically kind of sucked that we cut. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm actually, I'm looking at the list, and there's only a few that we, like, cut, cut. So you guys, I don't know if you've seen in the kind of the, the hub between the different rooms and the headquarters is, like, the little atrium. Um, to your right, there's actually a clipboard when you go in there that it's the credits, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's actually, there's five hidden levels. Yeah, if you watch the credits, yeah. Right. And so those levels actually, one of them is one of the actually legitimately a level from the very first prototype. And it's hideous and awful, but it's, <laughs> it, is, it is actually the level. And like, no BS, like, it still works, put it in there. That's so um, cool. I thought that was a really great way. And, and for developers out there that listen, because we have a, a good bit of developers that listen, what a, an original great way to get someone to actually watch the credits and pay attention and, and realize there's real people that worked in this game, you know, for, for people, just people playing VR games. I thought that was really, really unique. And hey, if you, if you really don't like us and you really didn't like <laughs> the game, you, we do slide in some deadly implements for you to uh, do with, as you will. Um, <laughs> but actually, so we put, a, I think, a, four of those five levels are actually levels that we, we cut from the final list. But they they were complete. Like they had a you know an, an end condition, a goal. They 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 worked, and they they were fun in their own way. Some of them we actually cut because we felt they didn't uh, they didn't take advantage or they didn't emphasize uh, slow motion. So it's like, oh yeah, this is fun. You're doing a lot of stuff. One level in particular started with the concept of a hippie on a log going through a sawmill, um, <laughs> and you have to manipulate these mechanisms to to get him safely to his truck so his hippie friends can escape with him. Um, <laughs> And it, I, I enjoyed it. A lot of people enjoyed it, but it just there was no reason that you needed slow time. So we we're like, nope, cut it. But it's huh. still fun, so we threw it in the credits. Um, That's cool. And all the other levels kind of are like that. Um, and I think I, I, I believe I kind of put a little explanation on there as to why it was cut. Um, but we thought it was just fun as a to throw that in as some extra credit, basically, um, and play some of the things that could have been in the game. So we we really only cut a few levels that didn't make it. One. It looked beautiful. Um, it was a, it, we, It's called the camping level, and it's this kind of lumberjack-looking guy almost camped out in the middle of the woods, and you just hear this bear ch- like running through the woods. The next thing you know, he kind of pops out randomly and is going to maul the guy, and it, it's beautiful level. But what we found when we'd play it and other people would play it is it, it was just so simple to solve that we were like, eh, just mm. it didn't it didn't have enough, and hmm. so we just we cut it. Um, I think we had we had a few a lot of problems we ran into actually we have these ideas and we just end up fighting against the the physics library and because mm-hmm. we used unity uh mm-hmm. the game engine mm-hmm. and the physics library with the way we had to actually implement slowed down time uh, it broke it, like it broke a lot of stuff for instance bouncing doesn't work um mm. because we have to scale the velocity everything's going and it just you, you just lose the bouncing and then physics joints don't work well, only under very specific situations. So we had a Ryan made another level that uh, you were basically you were saving a climber who was falling through the air because his uh, carabiner broke, um, and it relied on physics joints, and it just it bugged out, and sort of mm. like, yep, gotta cut it. Um, so, so how we ran into in, in, that a lot. in some of those situations, like when you said that bouncing doesn't work, and and I'm not a developer, so I don't know like exactly whether or not this was bouncing or not, but I recall the. The inflatable, uh, the fire, the fire yeah, those kind fire, of bouncing yeah. around. Like, how did you? I, 
if I could show you the code as to how that thing actually works, it is some of the hackiest, gross <laughs> I have ever made as a developer, and it worked. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, I recalled those bouncing, so I was like, oh, they must have found a workaround. <laughs> yeah, there, it is some serious, gross code. Um, <laughs> but it I works. Actually, I, I made that level, and I, because I knew how gross it was, I, I know the exact ways to break it, even, just because I made it. I, I wrote it off as like, there's not a chance this level's making it into the game. I hand it <laughs> off to Ryan plays it, and he's like, holy crap, that level's awesome. And I, I go, really? <laughs> like, yeah, no, I- it sucks. <laughs> what, um, like I mentioned before, we have a lot of, we do have a, a good bit of developers that listen, especially to people that are just starting. Mm-hmm. If you could give some just advice as, as to, if you're just starting and you're getting into developing, especially for VR, what what would be your advice? Uh, so I've actually, I've, I've had an opportunity here. So I mean, we're in, in Colorado. I've had an opportunity to, to mentor a few people who are doing like kind of a game dev uh, boot camp, you know, like one of those kind of 12 week courses and stuff like that. And I've met a lot of people at meetups who are trying to, trying to get into making games. And my, my kind of my first point of advice is, and this is true even if you're professional, it's limit your scope. I, I've, I've met somebody before who really thought that he had he, he had this idea for a massively multiplayer online game. And I, I, we, me and a friend were just like, can you bring this down so that it would be fun as a single-player experience? And he was really dead set in the MMO. And I'm, you know, as a developer, I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry. That's never going to happen. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it's just not, especially mm-hmm. if you don't have any experience yet. And so, I mean, limiting scope is just as important for somebody new versus somebody who's been developing for a long time. Um you have to really stop and think like, what is the core of your game and how can I get there as fast as possible? And so that kind of falls into the, the second point, which is your goal, kind of your, your main goal is find that fun as fast as possible and write gross code or whatever you have to do and then get it in the hands of people and find out, hey, is it fun? Because odds are, you, you know, you might have this idea of what the game is. You, you watch other people play and maybe not even what they say, but you see how they play it and all of a sudden it triggers kind of a, a new idea and you change the game a little bit so doing that as fast and as early as possible and just kind of iterating like that um will help you find kind of the game that you that you actually wanted to make um my i guess the third more maybe practical piece of advice is um i guess it depends if you have programming experience then i mean unity is pretty pretty easy to jump into and there's some great libraries i mean the prototype that our game is built off of early on we used a version of newton vr which kind of gives you pretty pretty decent uh, ability to interact with objects physically um and that was a great jumping off point i mean we've hacked we've hacked it to pieces at this point to work inside the game um but it was a great starting point and so there's a lot of packages out there that are free that kind of gets you off the ground. My, my other advice, and I would even argue for a programmer this is still true, is that there's some visual scripting tools for Unity. One in particular is called Playmaker. Um, you can you can build like some serious games in that. My So Ryan is not a programmer. He's predominantly an artist, but he, very like early on when he was prototyping, he got really good at using Playmaker. And I was like seriously impressed with the stuff he was able to build with this hmm. to the point where I, I kind of, came down off my developer programmer high horse and was like, all right, I'll, I'll give this a shot and see how it works. And to me, it's an indispensable tool now hmm. because you can, you can iterate very quickly and visually kind of inspect some of the more, uh, you know, 
some some of the more complicated interactions between things. So, for instance, like the the full tutorial sequence is is for the most part controlled by this just one very large finite state machine in Playmaker. Um, mm. But it's easy to understand because it's very linear um, and building that initial tutorial level took so much iteration that when I think about what it would have been like if it had been in code, I wouldn't have been able to change it nearly fast enough. Um, so, I mean, that would be my advice too, is don't, don't be afraid of using as many third-party tools as possible. Um, but there, there's also, it's, it's a great time to try and get into this kind of stuff because there are so many great tutorials, like just so many great tutorials. Um, I mean, these game engines used to cost a fortune or they didn't exist. So, I mean, we're yeah. really in like a, a really lucky time to be de a developer or wanting to become one. Um, Absolutely. Cool. Cool. No, Thank solid you. advice, especially that first one kind of rings a bell. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with ambition, but I, I think sometimes the most simple things are the most effective, right? So just being able to, to build on the fundamentals, like you said, especially for people starting out. Um, I'm not a developer, so I, I hope I'm not coming across as trying to tell people what to do. But I, it just rings a bell for me in in and outside of VR where, I mean, start small and then build on there. Uh, and I feel like a lot of the games that we've come across that have had simple concepts, but were just so effective in executing them uh, are the games that have stuck with us up until now. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Ronnie. Yeah, no, I definitely would. So, well, Justin, uh, we want to be respectful of your time. We got a couple more questions for you, if that's all right, though. Yeah, shoot. Um, well, so the first one, I think we were kind of talking about it a little bit earlier, but maybe just more directly. Uh, this game is coming out June. Uh, sorry. Oh, my gosh. July 27th. I'm in the wrong month. And this is going to be airing on the release date. So um, so what you're saying is the game is out. The game, it's out, right <laughs> the game now. is it out. It came oh. out. It just came out. It just came out. So for, okay, well. I clicked on Steam. It shows it's ready for release. Purchase it for... Nineteen ninety nine minus ten percent off, right, Justin? <laughs> or purchase ten ten copies. I mean, give them to your friends go. and, and yeah, family. Yeah, you can, you can gift them. Steam gifts. There you go. There you go. There you go. I so agree. For everyone I listening, this this game is out now. Make sure you check it out. I hope I hope you've uh, we've we've been able to convince you, just Ronnie and I and Damon from from talking on here. But Justin, my my question for you is, uh, what's next for Second Win Interactive? I mean, looking down the road, uh, you know, what what are you guys looking to do? Uh, within VR, maybe outside of VR, just curious what uh, what the next step for you guys is after creating a game that is um, well, at least it's well received by everyone on this call, and I'm I'm sure everyone else that that will be trying it at some point. Well, I mean, I guess actually, I'd say so. One one thing we've kind of have this unspoken agreement, me and Ryan, that we we've refused to talk about other game ideas hmm. because you know kind of when you're in that there's that middle slump when you're making a game where you actually even if the game is fun you genuinely are sick of it and you don't want to work on it um and it's like it happens around the 70 percent point um you get through that little dip and then you're like oh, okay cool yeah let's get this let's finish this but at that point it's like this temptation all of a sudden you have the most amazing ideas like so many <laughs> ideas are flowing and every, everything sounds exciting um, but we've just got, we've kind of not talked about it with each other. I'm sure he's had a ton of ideas on the side too. Um, but fr frankly, I mean, plans for us are to make this game better, um, address anything people are talking about. We, we would like to get it ideally. I mean, if, again, if it, if it does well enough and we, and we can, can afford to keep working on it, um, we probably, we'd want to get it on Oculus and PlayStation just to maximize, you know, who, who can actually try it. Um, this would be great on PSVR. I mean, this would this this would be great. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, we. I think it's it would it's definitely going to be a lot of work. There's some mechanics that we'll have to rethink or add on. I mean, you kind of take for granted in the vibe that you can just turn around or reach yeah. down. You've got this, this accurate yeah, yeah. room scale experience. So we we've kind of talked about adding a almost like kind of a force pull mechanic so that you're not forced to bend down, which frankly mm-hmm. might just even make the vibe game more satisfying. I mean, if you're if you're like six five, have if you want need to bend down to pick something up off the ground and you have to do it. A, quite a bit you get a little annoyed in vr i've, I've seen it i've seen it happen um, yeah and i mean so force portal might help and even in room scale like even if you have a pretty big play space if you're starting to become frantic and you don't really teleport and instead you're moving to the edge of the square and then trying like mm-hmm. eventually if you're reaching for stuff too quickly you sometimes hit stuff or like so yeah. I, so i could see where it could be useful or that cord gets so tangled that it uh yeah can't turn <laughs> It's happened many times and, before. And you First had, world Justin, problems. You'd, <laughs> you'd mentioned before that there's a big contest going on uh, yes. with with the game. I, uh, I mean, it, we are it's the Just in Time Incorporated giveaway extravaganza. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe it's a little overblown, but um, the grand prize, and it will run through launch weekend. Uh, the grand prize is we're going to make you a blocky character so that you can take out all your self-hatred on yourself as much as you want um, or invite friends. <laughs> to the game. Um, free copy of the game, of course, Steam gift cards. We still have a few because we've kind of been doing it over the course of the month. We still have some Steam gift cards and then we're also giving away five free copies of the game. So, How do you um, join? Uh, just uh, if you go to our Twitter is the easiest way to find it. Um, but it's justintimegame.com forward slash giveaway. Okay. Sweet. Cool. Well, actually, this leads right into our last question, and uh, which is, where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? I'm sure you're getting, going to have a lot of fans uh, probably offering level ideas just uh, based on this interview and, <laughs> hey, and based on all, this, everybody you meet. all that crazy stuff. But we'll, we'll, we'll make sure. So we'll make sure to link to the game on Steam, and uh, I'll also add that link that you just mentioned for the, the giveaway. But I don't know if there's any uh, – you mentioned Twitter, but any other social media or forums or – Reddit or something like that that you guys would want to uh, connect with the fans. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna. I, I'm gonna keep an eye. Uh, predominantly, I mean, Twitter's kind of a great place. Like we put a lot of gifs on there and stuff like that. Um, which it's cool to see a lot of that. Uh, Facebook is a, a great place to kind of interact with us. But is, we're gonna is be the Twitter handle just in time. time? Uh, just in time VR. Cool. Okay. I'll make sure to add that. And. Too. Going to be taking keeping a very close eye on the Steam community hub. I mean, I think that's a big one. Obviously, the the Vive subreddit, um, and I think that that's probably about as much as we we can handle. Um, but I mean, I really do want to be as kind of interactive with the community as possible because I mean, these these games tend to to kind of live and die by people's opinions and how they feel about the game and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we like we saw with the tutorial failing early on. It's like you know, if somebody, if enough people are having an issue, it's not their problem; it's ours. Mm-hmm. So I would I would want to address that, and the only way you find that out is by people telling you. So, no, fair and point, try and yeah. keep as good of, good of an eye on there as possible. Well, I can say, yeah, just in time really left a strong impression on me, and that's that's coming from someone that plays a lot of these games. So, uh, thank you so much for all of the the time and effort that you've put into the game and. And, you know, from all of us here, I think we genuinely wish you the best and, 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 ha- and hope, hope for a successful launch of the game. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, it's, it's great to hear when people love playing the game. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, feel, it feels good. So it's thanks. Good. Well, it's, it's well-deserved. Justin, thanks again. We uh, 
we do appreciate the time, man. And, and like Ronnie said, best of luck uh, with this. And I mean, we'll, hopefully we'd love to see what you guys have uh, coming down the pipeline in the future, if and whenever uh, you guys have that conversation. Yeah, we'll be sure to let you know. Cool. Well, take care. We'll talk soon.